0: This week, we take the climate lead on the road and go up to the hill and speak with Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat of Rhode Island. I'm Evan Lehman, editor of Climate Wire. I'm Robin Bravender, deputy
1: editor of Climate Wire. Here's Senator Whitehouse. He gives a weekly speech about climate change on the Senate floor. So we went to his office in the Hart Senate office building to talk about climate change.
0: We sat down in a conference room adorned with framed pictures of trees in mist.
1: Also, a picture of Barack Obama's inauguration on the wall, and some Rhode Island sodas.
0: Lots of sodas from yeah. Rhode Island.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, We asked White House about the Democratic Party and where it is on climate change. It seems to be split. He also talks about inaction in Congress and the Trump administration.
1: Here's our interview with Senator Whitehouse.
0: All right, ready when you are. So thanks again for coming on and talking about climate change with us. If Democrats win the Senate, what should be the first oversight hearing regarding climate change and the administration?
2: Oh, boy. Target-rich environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to pick which the first one would be. I do think that the mother issue on climate change is dark money. Citizens United totally changed the conversation in Congress about climate change. Before January of 2010, when that decision came down, there were all sorts of bipartisan bills kicking around. And as soon as that bill came down, I think the fossil fuel industry expected it. They asked for it. They saw it coming. the Supreme Court delivered and they were ready at the starting gun and since that moment not one Republican senator has gotten onto one bill that seriously limits carbon dioxide emissions in any way. Um, You remember um, Men in Black? Mm -hmm. Remember in the opening scene the farmer? Edgar? Has the alien like climb into his skin Mm -hmm. and go marching off and he's that's the you know, the bad guy for the rest of the movie, that's more or less an analogy of what's happened to the Republican Party. The skin of the Republican Party remains, but the monster inside is the fossil fuel industry. It's the Koch brothers, it's the fossil fuel run U.S. Chamber of Commerce, it's the American Petroleum Institute, it's that network of special interests. So they're very confident in the power that they have and they really have very significantly degraded checks and balances as a result. So to me, the dark money problem and the problem of failure on climate legislation are two sides of the exact same coin. So, are you saying that industry money and influence
0: plays a bigger role in electoral politics than voter attitudes toward climate change? Um, I mean, you know, like everybody, everybody, yes, everybody, you know, yes, everybody I saying that. Everybody described, you know, the past presidential election as a climate election, or at least Al Gore did, and many others. Um, it didn't turn out to be that way, right? Not you, had even a pre- you had a president who openly you know, called climate change a hoax, yep. but, the, but the electoral momentum wasn't there on that issue, um, which is something you're familiar with, right? I mean, so when, how, how when, do you get there? When
2: you have any special interest that spends $750 million in one federal election cycle, and is teed up to spend 450 million dollars in the coming federal election cycle, when you have the Coke Industries apparatus running about a dozen different field offices just in the state of Florida, separate from the Republican Party, when you have reports about this operation being stronger than, better financed than, with better voter information and better resources than the entire Republican Party, it's an unusually powerful lobby and an unusually powerful electioneering force. And in my view, one of the places where we have failed is we have kept, allowed the conversation about climate change to stay between, well, are you gonna protect the polar bears or are you gonna protect the jobs? Which is a wrong narrative, but it's also a false and an incomplete narrative Uh, I think the story of an America that has been captured by big special interests so that our fabled city on a hill can't act as the democracy that we offer to the world, we got a big problem. And that's a problem that I think Republican and Democratic voters alike can engage around. Nobody wants a government in Washington that doesn't listen to them because it's listening to big special interests. And we have not been adept at making that point um, despite its obvious truth.
1: What's going on within the Democratic Party to change that narrative right now?
2: Well, I think um, 18 is the next election, and that election is going to be won in congressional districts around the country where each candidate is going to need to authentically win in that district with whatever constituency that district presents. And I think it's hard to dictate to individual congressional candidates all across the country in those swing districts how they should run their elections. Um, I do think that here in Congress, we need to focus more on this. We need to change that issue, change that conversation. It's one of the reasons that I led, what, 16 other colleagues to the floor to spend two days outing the web of denial on all these phony baloney groups, which um, was actually rather satisfying because they reacted so violently and um, basically making our point. You can get under their skin, and uh, I think we need to do a better job of pursuing that at the congressional level. And then as we move to 2020, I think that has to be the the framing, if we haven't solved it by now. I I have a feeling we'll have made a lot of progress. So what are you doing about it? Well, (laughs) we've got uh, the carbon fee bill which I think is going to be the nexus for all of this. Um, And as you know, I give my weekly speech just to keep poking and prodding. The Republicans would love to have this issue disappear from the public conversation because they know more and more that they've got no ground, no credible ground to stand on. So when you don't have a good argument, when you've got no credible ground to stand on, and particularly when you have a really smelly special interest driving you, that's not a conversation you want to have. So, I do my best to make sure that we keep at that conversation. Um, I'm also uh, working with the environmental community to try to make sure that they are uh, more adept and aggressive about taking on this machinery. Uh, To a certain extent, we are not as well organized on our side as we could be and as we should be. And um, They are nothing but organized.
1: Are you and your Democratic colleagues talking about climate legislation right now or are those talks entirely on hold?
2: Um, There are bipartisan conversations going on about climate legislation. Uh, The person who has publicly stated that is Lindsey Graham, so I can make that statement without outing anyone. And um, I think at this point the key conversations are bipartisan conversations. I think Democrats talking amongst each other about this is all well and good, but legislation is going to have to be bipartisan. And um, so I think the way to start this is with something bipartisan that can then attract people uh, together to it.
0: The Climate Solutions Caucus in the House, is that greenwashing or genuine, do you think?
2: Oh, I suppose there's a bit of genuineness in it, Um, but be practical. What have they actually accomplished? What actual legislation that would actually stop one molecule of carbon dioxide from being emitted have they supported? I think that we ought not to allow Republicans to be graded on such a bad curve that all they have to do is acknowledge the reality of climate change and, but not be willing to do a damn thing about it and have us all fall over ourselves, oh, look how wonderful. They've admitted that this is real. Well, for crying out loud, you can go up and down the state universities of the Atlantic coast, and they're all telling you it's real. That shouldn't be a big ask. What are you doing about it needs to be our question. And anything that doesn't answer that question in a meaningful way, I think, is time wasted.
0: And we got to go. But one last question. Have you ever talked to the president about climate change?
2: I have not. Do you want to? Uh, I want to, but I want to at a time when I have a meaningful path to a good result. Just chatting with him about it gives me no particular satisfaction. Um, And when the time comes, though, when something bipartisan has emerged, very much I then want to talk to him and I want to take him the 2009 New York Times full-page ad that he and Donald Jr. and Ivanka and the Trump Organization all signed saying climate change is real, the science is irrefutable, and the consequences will be catastrophic and irreversible if we don't act. That's the Donald Trump I want to have a conversation with. Well,
0: good luck finding <laughs> that guy. Yeah, I know. It's going to take some looking. <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you very you. much. My You're pleasure. appreciate it. Thanks.
1: That was our interview with Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. Thanks for listening. Check out our stories at eenews.net. Have a good week.